So it's a privilege of mine tonight to be able to share the word with you. And if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with us to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. We'll begin with verse 18. Ephesians 5, 18. And if you'd stand in in reverence to the reading of, of God's word. Paul is the writer here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, and he says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all the things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of of God. Father, we thank you again for the privilege to call upon you tonight. Lord, we know that you're real. God, we believe in you, that you're the great creator. We believe in your son, Jesus, who came to this earth, died on the cross for our sins, arose from the grave, and soon to come back. We know it's, the Holy Spirit is real because he has chosen us to live in. And I pray that you'd bless it tonight in this message in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, We've been talking about on Sunday night the fruits of the Spirit. And that's just the beginning of a Christian life is to to seek out and to understand and to learn these different fruits uh, of the Spirit uh, that we might know how to handle any situation that we might come upon. It doesn't matter what the situation is. If we know the fruits of the Spirit, and they're embedded in our hearts and our minds. We're going to make it. We're going to make it through this world because this world is cruel. People are cruel. And uh, lots of times we're taken uh, by cruel people. And we want to retaliate. But God says that he will take care of that. In due time, he will take care of all the wrongdoings and all the mistreatments. But to know the experience of the truth of being filled with with the Spirit will mean the difference in whether we enjoy our Christian life or not enjoy our Christian life. Just for instance, your vehicle. When it gets toward E on the gas gauge, what do you do? Do you get frantic? Do you go to looking for a gas station? Or do you say, hey, I'm going to drive it till it quits and then hopefully somebody will come along and stop and help me. Well, I used to have this old truck, and I wasn't sure how much it would do, where, where the gas registered or not. And so I just put five gallons of gas in the back, and I said, I'll drive you till you quit. And hope when you quit, it's a good, safe place to quit. Well, it was. It quit. And I read the gauge right on the money. And from then on, hey, I'd run her right down there, you see, um, before I would fill her up. But we don't need to do that as Christians. We know in our own life whether we're close to the Lord or not. We know in our life if adjustments needs to be made or not. We shouldn't wait until the, 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 the spiritual gas tank is completely empty and we have exhausted every area and all of a sudden we find ourselves without. We know when we need filling. We know when we need a nudge from the Lord. And that nudge from the Lord might come from somebody who might say, now, you know, I've watched your life. And it looks like it's fading away a little, and I want to call you back. I want to know what what is the problem that I can help you. You see, we as Christians who are 
filled with the Spirit of God and who practice the fruits of the Spirit, we have the authority to help this person become refueled. You see, I've I've never experienced it other than uh, watching it on television, these massive um, jets that carry fuel and these fighter jets come up and hook up and refuel in mid-air. It's amazing how they can connect and do that and, and continue on. God's the same way. He wants us to connect with him. So when the time comes for, for a nudge, hey, we don't have to look for him. He is available 24-7 as we uh, teach and tell our good news kids at Orchard Park School that you can call on God anytime you want to, uh, anywhere you are. Well, you notice the title if you got your bulletin there. The Spirit-Filled Life. There's three little simple things I want to make mention of tonight. Uh, As we think about the Spirit-Filled Life, first of all, uh, the importance of the Spirit-Filled Life. What is so important about this? Verse 16 in this same chapter tells us, Paul says, redeeming the time. In other words, taking advantage of the time we have right now. You see, yesterday is gone. It'll never be back. Tomorrow never comes. We only have today. And what we do for the Lord today is the only thing that's going to count. So he says, redeeming the time, taking advantage of the time because the days are evil. Evil. Now, if you know some evil person, the best thing you can do is stay away from that person because they will drag you down. If they're the kind that do all kind of of immoral things and you hang out with them, first thing you know, you become one of those that's doing the immoral things. You know, today it seems so hard to get people who you can trust, who will tell you the truth. In other words, when they say something, you can count on it. They're far and few between. And I want to I be a person that you can trust. And I want to be able to trust you. So, you know, God being my helper, I'm never, ever going to lie to you that somewhere down the road you will be able to turn around and say, you know, he lied. He just simply lied. And that's, that's a horrible thing when you can't trust people. But we can trust God. We can trust his son Jesus. We can trust the Holy Spirit's guidance to have us filled with the Spirit. Uh, the Word of God commands that we be filled. Be ye filled with the Spirit of God. Without that Spirit, you know, we, we just, the Bible says we are like a ship without a rudder. Um, we don't have any direction. We're just going. And listen, our lives, God made us and gave every one of us a purpose. So we need to ask, what is my purpose in life? What am I here for? I'm not here just to earn a living and live and die. I'm here to be of service. I am here to serve the Lord because one of these days, I'm going to stand before him and I'm going to give an account of my life, of everything I've ever done, whether it be good or bad. You say, hi, in the world, is God going to be able to do that? As many people as there are in the world. Well, eternity is a long time. Eternity will never end, but we will have our time to stand before the Lord. God commands us to be filled with the Spirit. 
Paul's not given a, a, a promise nor a, an offering uh, nor a blessing. He, he's simply suggesting here that this can be a quality of life. We see so many people in our uh, work that are in rest homes and uh, even at home bedridden, can't get up, can't do anything for themselves. And they're laying there and I'm thinking this is not quality of life. You know, we want quality of life. But if you really want a genuine quality of life, allow God to fill your heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill you, that you can be filled with the Spirit of God, that you can go and do in this world and, and have what God wants you to have and to be able to give what God wants you to give and be a radiant Christian uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, the work of God, you know, it not only commands it, but he demands it uh, that we go forward. Uh, you see, no work can be done for the Lord apart from the filling of the Spirit. Oh, you can go out and do great things, but who led you to do that? Well, I just done it because I wanted to. And it made me feel good. Well, okay. If that's how it is, that might be the only blessing you get. But as a Christian, to do that in the name of Jesus, it just makes things better. You know what? Even down to a simple cup of cold water given in the name of Jesus. I was in a business and I wanted to see a certain salesman. And as you enter the door of this business, just a little bit, you'll see a water cooler. I was thirsty. So I got me a cup of water, and I thought, hey, I'm just going to carry this man a cup of water. So I drawed him one up. Went into his office, and I set it down right in front of him. I said, have a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. Well, he said, thank you. Well, so what? But it's a simple thing that God allows us to do that will bless those people and bless you in the meantime. So it's important to be filled with the Spirit. Secondly, we're talking about being filled with the Spirit of God. Secondly, it, the implications of a Spirit-filled life. You see, there must be uh, an, an initial act. Now, I want to, you don't have to turn, but I want to I rotate backwards to Acts chapter, um, Acts chapter 2. Verses 1 through 4. I want you to listen to what uh, the writer has to say. Acts 2, 4. 1 through 4. I hear pages, so I will wait for you. And I'll get me a drink. Acts 2, 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly, all of a sudden, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. You've heard the wind blow. Rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You see, had not the Spirit of God came, what would they know to do? The Spirit of God came and they spoke the language that everybody in that village that day heard the gospel of Jesus and they heard it in their language. It's not an unknown tongue. 
but it was a language that all could understand. There must be a, a continual experience. In Acts chapter 3, there's a story there of Peter and John on their way up to the temple to uh, uh, have prayer time. And on their way, as they approached the entrance, they saw a man who was helpless. He could not walk. And they discovered that he had been born that way. He was crippled. He had never walked. And he had his little tin cup holding it as people was going in and out of the temple, hoping they'd drop money in there. So maybe, hey, he could buy food. As they approached, he looked up, probably stuck his little cup up, and Peter said, son, we don't have any, any money, we don't have any gold, we don't have any silver. We've come up here to pray, but what we do have, we'll give it to you. It's free. Peter reached out his hand, he said, I ask you in the name of Jesus, I want to give you Jesus. And the man took his hand. The Bible says immediately his ankle bones received strength, his knee bones received strength, his hips received strength, and he stood up. The Bible says he stood up and rejoiced and leaped and went on into church with them, rejoicing because of what God had done for him. And it says the people, when they saw it, rushed in. And the Spirit of God was evident everywhere because Peter and John was simply obedient to the Lord. So the implication of the Spirit-filled life, we need to apply it, put it into practice. God expects us to put it into practice. I told Gage and Ben, I said, now, you know, you boys, you've been saved. Now you have followed the Lord in baptism. And I said, and they, and they were just they're so excited upstairs. And we were just having a great time. I said, now, I said, this is probably just as exciting as that new car. Everybody wants to see the new car. Everybody wants to ride in the new car. So I said, what you need to do is tell them what happened to you and be excited about it so maybe they will follow the Lord by your uh, example. We need to apply this thing. The, the, the spirit-filled life is a real thing, guys. Just as real as pulling up to the gas pump and filling your car up so you can keep on going. Being filled with the Spirit of God will keep us going day in and day out. So let me give you a third thing right quick. We're talking about the Spirit-filled life. Thirdly, uh, the indication of a Spirit-filled life. Is there any indication? Somebody asked me one time, he said, if you were to be arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you of being a Christian that you would have to go to prison for being a Christian. Is there enough evidence? There should be. Somebody shouldn't even have to ask you, are you a saved person? Your life ought to it show that it is. The things that you do, your attitude, your conversation, and how you treat other people. Listen, people walk on people every day. And they do it and they get away with it because nobody, it seems like, does anything or stops them. But let me tell you something. You might be one of those people. You keep on doing it if you want to, but God one day will stop you in your tracks just like he stopped Saul. Saul was a man in the Bible on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians. And God stopped him in his tracks, blinded him until he repented of his sins and came clean, so to speak. And God gave him his eyesight back. And then he began to go and tell others about Jesus. Now, if you look at verse 19, um, 
of that chapter, here's, here is uh, some indications uh, that these people uh, were Christians. It says, speaking to yourselves in psalms, he also said they're singing there, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. They're speaking, they're singing, but look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sacrificing, doing things in the name of Jesus will pay off. Verse 21, it tells us another indication of being a Christian is submitting ourselves one to another in the fear of God, coming alongside somebody and loving them into believing in and accepting Jesus Christ. Um, if these truths that what we've talked about tonight, if they could be lived out in every church, if they could be lived out in every home, if they could be lived out in every office, if they could be lived out in every school, and in every person's life, then God would fill us with the Spirit, and this world would be a better place to live. Because the Spirit of God is everywhere. It's like if I had a radio. You've heard of radio. Some of our young people may not know what a radio is, but anyhow, if you plug that thing in and set it right here and pull the antenna up and cut it on, It'd suck all kind of things out of the air. There is everything imaginable in this air. Whatever we want to listen to, all we got to do is dial. And it comes in because it's everywhere. You just suck it out of the air. The Holy Spirit is that way. He's everywhere. And he wants to invade your life and mine so that God will be glorified. So God will be lifted up. Um, you see, a lot of times we're not honest with God. And we need to be honest with God in order for him to fill us. Can't be a counterfeit. You know, uh, people print counterfeit money. It goes on in our county. I recently got a hold of a $5 bill. Didn't know it was counterfeit until I went to buy gas with it. One of the people owed me some money and they began to pay me in $100 bills. I hadn't seen a new one. Throwed that new one. I said, whoa, hey, whoa, whoa, what is this? So that's a new $100 bill. I said, how do I know? Oh, it is. Trust me, it is. Trust me. Well, I trusted him. I kept it, and it was. What about us? Are we counterfeit? If I say I'm a Christian, if I say I'm going to treat you right, I'm going to be honest with you, and then you find me in a flaw somewhere, I'm a counterfeit. I'm not real. I don't want to hang around with counterfeit people. Counterfeit people need Jesus. We need to pray for them, but if we aren't careful, if we hang around with counterfeits enough, we become counterfeit with them. We become anti-Christ. Somebody said, is the Antichrist already on the scene? I said, if they are not a Christian, they are anti-Christ. The devil has his people, you see, located, even in church services. He has them located in order to hinder us from being filled with the Spirit. What if you pulled up to the gas pump and you're in line? And a lot of people are trying to get to this one pump. 
and somebody jumps in front of you. Well, you don't like that, do you? Well, what if somebody else jumps in front of you? What if the last person in front of you moves on and then it's your time and you pull up and they've just run out of gas? You say, that's unfair. Don't be unfair with God. Allow him to fill you because his tank never runs out. He expects us to call on him so he can fill us so we can be all God wants us to be. I want to be all he wants me to be. I want to be wherever, whatever, however how long it is. I want to be a man of God that people can trust. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the privilege tonight to stand before this precious group. And what a good number here tonight. Father, you blessed us so much with good music tonight. You've allowed us to witness people that have accepted you as their Savior and followed you in baptism. You provided this facility for us that we might have a place to come and sit together and to share your word and just to praise your holy name. I thank you for all the guests that are here tonight. I pray, Lord, that you will speak to their hearts also. And that you would allow us to be all we can be to all people that we might win some. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.